2, verses 8 through 10. Uh, It is my desire this Lord's Day to bring before your hearts and minds this signature passage of Scripture, uh, focusing most of our time and attention this morning on verse 10. You can find this passage of Scripture uh, in the Pew Bible in front of you on page 1390. That's page 1390 in the Bible in front of you. Uh, The title of this morning's message is Saved by Grace for good works. So I'd ask you if you would please stand, if you're able to, for the reading of the Word of God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Please be seated. Thank you. Unfortunately, the subject of good works on the part of many Christians these days has fallen on tough times. Speak of good works and you'll often hear cries of legalism or performance treadmill. Speaking on good works with many today gives the appearance of being anti-grace, opposed to grace that we would ever emphasize the place and the necessity of good works in a believer's life. But the fact is, laboring in good works in the Christian life is absolutely necessary for Christ-likeness. No good works, no Christ-likeness in one's life. Jesus himself was a tireless worker. In fact, he is referred to in Isaiah 42, verse 1, as the chosen servant of the Lord. And the Gospel of Mark portrays Christ as the suffering servant. Jesus said in Matthew verses 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 28, I have come not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. Jesus said in John 4, verse 34, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. There was a work that the Father had assigned to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said it was so important for Him to accomplish this work day by day here upon this earth that it was His necessary spiritual food for His soul. It was that which brought Him satisfaction as well as strength to be doing the will and work of His Father. In John chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus said, The works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me, that the Father has sent me to do. Not only does Jesus accomplish the works the Father has given him to do, but there are good works for each and every one of us 
who are disciples of Jesus Christ to do. In fact, Jesus taught that there is a sense of urgency about fulfilling these good works. In John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, We must work the works of him who sent me, as long as it is day. For night is coming when no one can work. Jesus taught that there is just a brief period of time. He likened it unto day, and day is setting, and night is approaching. And there is just a brief moment of time in our lives as well for us to do the will and work of God. And Jesus said we must be about accomplishing those good works in our Christian lives. As Jesus prayed in John 17, verse 4, he says to the Father, I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you gave me to do. As Jesus came to the end of his life here upon this earth, he expresses a sense of satisfaction, a sense of fulfillment as a faithful son would towards his father in accomplishing these works which brought great glory and honor to his father. I know as a son, my father brought me up with certain values to work hard, to be respectful to labor hard, to work, to care, to help my mom. And I honored my father when I walked in these ways. That relationship between me as my father's son and my father could never be changed. And we as children of God, our relationship with our heavenly father can never be changed. It was purchased by his son with his own blood on the cross. How much more so we, as children of God, as sons and daughters of God, would we labor not to earn merit, not to earn favor, but out of a heart filled with gratitude and thankfulness what our Father has done for us through Christ. And upon the cross, as Jesus gave his life willingly as our substitute, bearing the wrath of God which we deserved, He says in John 19, verse 30, it is finished. The work of redemption, the work of the atonement was finished. And Jesus in his death upon that cross fulfilled the work of salvation on our behalf that God had assigned for him to do upon this earth. Jesus had earlier told his disciples that there was a work which he had assigned for them to accomplish as well. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men in such a way. What is that light? It is the Spirit of Christ. It is the power of the Gospel in our lives. Let that light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Who is in heaven. We bring glory to God the Father when we accomplish these good works here upon the earth. And we dishonor and defame our heavenly Father before men in such a way when we are lazy and uninterested and unwilling in fulfilling the work that He has assigned for us to do. Here's the motive of good works. Good works are motivated for one reason only. 
to bring glory to God. Everywhere in scriptures, we labor to bring glory to God. Even Christ, our example, he worked the works that his father had given him, even on the cross for our salvation, to, to the glory of his father. Good works are, are motivated by hearts filled with thankfulness and gratitude for God, for what he has done for us in Christ. He purchased us on the cross with his own shed blood. Doesn't that motivate our hearts filled with gratitude and thankfulness to labor and to serve our Father in heaven? And third, good works create a Christ-likeness in our lives. The more we labor, the more we keep our eyes focused on Christ and share the gospel and are used by the Lord, it strengthens our walk with Christ. It strengthens our uh, our our desire to serve and to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. I know as a child, I went to this uh, farm with my family, and I was used to seeing horses, and uh, at this farm, these horses were huge. And I remember asking my dad, why are these horses so much bigger than the rest of them that I've seen? And he said, well, they're bred to be workhorses, and, and they're bred to be very strong and powerful, and... Um, and when the farmer uses them to till the ground, it's that strength that he needs for them to plow the fields and to do the work around the farm. And I said, well, Dad, why do they have these, these patches on each side of their eyes? My father said, well, those are blinders. And what they do is they keep the horse as it's working hard and laboring and tilling the ground, focused on what it's doing. Focusing on the work and the labor instead of being distracted to the left and to the right. That's what we need to do, brothers and sisters, as we labor for Christ. We need to keep our eyes focused on God and His glory and laboring for His Son and the Gospel and the truth of His Word. Not looking to what our brother's doing over here or our sister's doing over here or what's going on here or what's going... We can get frustrated. But let us keep our eyes focused on Christ and the glory of God as we labor for his kingdom on this earth. The stressing of good works in the Christian life was critical for the Apostle Paul to emphasize to the Ephesians. Because in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, before he opens up verse 10 concerning these good works, Paul has taught that salvation is apart from any good works. The, that these good works are a fruit of. They're a testimony of. They're a confirmation of this great work of grace that God has done in our lives. Notice in verse 8 and 9, the pure grace of God by which salvation comes to us. Not a result of works are we saved. Verses 8 and 9 says, for by grace, that means unconditional unmerited favor with God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Apostle Paul has stated in no uncertain terms that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and not a result of any kind of works. 
No amount of good works can contribute to anything in our standing before God with full assurance and acceptance. But does this mean that there is no place for good works in the Christian life? Are we just to sit back and do nothing after receiving such a great gift of salvation from God? The answer to these questions is no. God has a great purpose and a plan for each one of us who he saves. And as long as we are here upon this earth, there is a work that God has gifted us and has given us the abilities to accomplish, which are special and specific for each one of us to accomplish on this earth. And we bring glory to God in rolling up our sleeves and being engaged and involved in the work that he has assigned for each one of us as his sons and daughters to do. So this morning, as we gather together and focus our time on verse 10, let us look at three biblical truths concerning good works in the text before us today. Let's take a moment and pray before we look into God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the authority and the power that comes from your word. Because these are your spoken words to us. You reveal yourself to us. You illuminate your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you speak directly to our hearts and minds, Lord. Father, we pray that we would be encouraged today as we labor for Christ on this earth. We pray, Lord, that we would be challenged in a way, Lord God, through the power of your word. And Lord God... May those who don't see, know Christ today see the great work of salvation that you have done on the cross for us. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one in your outline. Um, is God's work in us. God's work in us. Verse 10 starts by stressing God's work in us. Notice how the verse begins. For we are his workmanship. This clearly implies and states that God must do a work within us long before we can ever work for him. In this verse, Paul says, for we. This refers to all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This word we refers to those in verse 8 who have acted in true saving faith towards Christ and Christ alone. He says, we are, present tense, his workmanship. Now this word workmanship is a very important word in this text, and I want to get back to it in one moment. But what we need to understand before looking at this word workmanship is that all who have repented of their sins and have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, and have exercised saving faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives, have been adopted as children of God into the family of God. And it is God that has done this divine work in us. And this work in which he has done is the work of regeneration in the new birth. This truth points back to a time in our lives when we were sovereignly birthed into the kingdom of God. 
And it was a work of sovereign grace, unmerited, unconditional, and completely dependent upon the grace and mercy of God. This is the greatest work God ever performs in the lives of those who he chooses to save. Earlier in the same book, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, Paul tells the Ephesians this, Just as God chose them in Christ before the foundation of the world, that, he would be, that they would be holy and blameless before God, in love God predestined them to adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, he freely bestowed on them in the beloved. In Christ they have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of their sins, according to the riches of God's grace which he lavished upon them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In this work of regeneration, God recreates us into the image of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God who recreates new life within us, resulting in us becoming his workmanship and a new creation in Christ. This word workmanship is a very picturesque word and it loses something in the translation from the original Greek into the English language. I'm going to pronounce the word in the Greek and you will hear the English word in this Greek word. It is the word poema which you can hear the English word poem. And it is Paul's intention to say that we are God's poem created in Christ Jesus. Now by that which he means is we are God's masterpiece. We are flawless, perfected pieces of artwork. We are God's workmanship, just as a great poet would take a piece of paper Or an artist would take a piece of canvas and creates an astonishing masterpiece. Something of enormous beauty and worth in the sight of this world to see. This is the meaning of this word workmanship that Paul uses here in this text. And this is precisely what God's work in us looks like. In the life of one who has been born again from above. Never has a poet taken such unattractive, bitter, prideful, rebellious words and created such a beautiful literary masterpiece for this world to see. Never has an artist taken such tattered, stained, uneven, unattractive canvases and created such an eternal work of art, such a masterpiece than our Heavenly Father when he recreated us in Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul describes to us what God had to work with in this new creation. He says that we were recreated into the image of Christ. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3. Paul tells the Ephesians and us who have God's word 
what we were before God did this work of salvation in our hearts and in our lives. He says you were dead. That's spiritually dead. In your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly walked, that means lived, according to the course of this world. This is the world's system, the world's order, which is opposed to the Son of God and opposed to the truth of God's Word. Paul goes on, according to the prince of the power of the air and of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the air and of the spirit refers to Satan and the spirit of ungodliness. In other words, we live like the devil. We were rebellious towards God and lived in disobedience to his commands. We love darkness and we were living for ourselves and for our own glory. These are hard truths for a lot of us to hear, especially before we come to know Christ and see how we have offended a holy God. He continues to say, Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and, one, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. This is what we were in some degree or another. This was the raw material that God had to work with us before he saved us and recreated us in Christ. This is the foundation upon which the Apostle Paul drives the stake of truth in the ground and says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Never has a poet or a piece of art undergone such a dramatic transformation than the work of grace God has performed in the hearts and minds of those who were at one time objects of his wrath. Romans 1.8 And now have been rescued and brought forward into the family of God as beloved children of God. Here's a quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon and uh, on his understanding of this phrase, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Quote, You have seen a painter with a palette on his hand, and he has ugly dabs of paint on that palette. What can he do with those spots of paint? Go in and see the picture. What a splendid painting! And even in a much wiser way does Jesus act towards us. He takes us poor smudges of paint. And he makes the blessed picture of his grace out of us. It is neither the brush nor the paints that he uses. But it is the skill of his very own hands that accomplish this great work of salvation in us that does it all. End quote. Notice what Paul says in verse 10. He says, we are created in Christ Jesus. No, we are his workmanship, I'm sorry, created in Christ Jesus. This creation refers not to our physical creation, but to our spiritual creation. This verb created looks back, looks to the past, to that time of our new birth when God saved us and adopted us 
as His beloved children in Christ. When He says created in Christ Jesus, what He is saying is salvation is entirely of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. There is not one drop of saving grace, no forgiveness, no pardon of sin, or a transformed life apart from Christ. If we are to be saved, we must be created in Christ Jesus. It is a grace that began from all eternity past when God chose us in Christ and a work that, is, that Christ accomplished on the cross as Jesus died in our place, purchasing our salvation with His very own blood. And this was a work entirely of God's grace. And when we are created in Christ Jesus, we become new creations. We receive a new mind. We receive a new heart and a new will. And we become in reality something completely that we once were. It's, it's a total transformation. This is the power of the gospel. This is God's work in us. I remember after being saved, and I read uh, in the New Testament concerning this man Bartimaeus who was blind his whole life. And he seen Jesus. And he was saved. And God gave him eyes to see not only physically, but spiritually. And this is what happens when God works in us. I remember driving down the road on the way to a bar after work and hearing the gospel on the radio. And God opened my eyes to see that my pride and my self-righteousness was nothing but filthy rags in the sight of God. That I was needed, I, I needed Christ in my life. And in that moment, God opened my eyes to see the truth of who I really was and who God really was. And He regenerated my heart. And He gave me a desire to love Him and to serve Him and to surrender my life to Him. This is the power of the Gospel. This is what God does in us. And then, it automatically, within the new heart and the new life and the new mind, wants to turn around and serve and labor and give to Christ and His people. This is the power of the Gospel. This is the power of God's work in us. Can you say with assurance this morning that you have been born again from above? Can you look at your past and point to that time in your life when you became God's workmanship? When you were created in Christ Jesus? This was a, all of a work of grace in Christ. This is where it all begins. God's work in us. Point number two on your outline. Not only do I want you to seize God's work in us, but God's work for us. God's work for us. After God works in us, then there is God's work for us. Notice the next few words in our text. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Here is the highest goal and the loftiest purpose in being made God's workmanship. He has created us in Christ Jesus in order to accomplish good works. 
Now again, I want to be perfectly clear. We are not saved by our own good works. No one can save themselves in their own good works as much as an athlete who practices every day in their life to do the broad jump can jump the Grand Canyon. It is impossible. Notice the prepositions in verses 8 and 10. For we are saved by grace, through faith, verse 10, for good works. We are not saved by good works. Nothing could be clearer in this passage and throughout the Bible. But we are saved by grace, through faith, for good works. In other words, the result of God making us a new creation in Christ is that there be good works, His works, for us to accomplish in Christ. They have to be accomplished in Christ. Because if they're not accomplished in Christ, they're not good works. They're bad works. Before I was saved, I did a lot of works. But they weren't in Christ. They were for my glory. They were for my reputation. They were self-serving. They were prideful. But once these good works became in Christ, they brought glory to God, and they strengthened my walk with Christ. That's the difference. We do not accomplish these good works in order to be saved, but we accomplish these good works out of a heart filled with gratitude and thankfulness because we have already been saved. Now, there are some key words in this text I want to draw to your attention. I want to talk about the words works, good, and the words prepared beforehand. We are saved for good works which God prepared beforehand. Let's start with the word works. We are saved for good works. This word works comes from the Greek word ergon, which means energy or to energize or energetic. In other words, these works found in this text are energizing. They come with great effort on our part. And again, not to be saved, but because we have already been saved. These good works involve great sacrifice and great commitment. These good works described here are not short bursts of energy. No, they're costly to us. They require great effort from us. In fact, these works are so great, they can only be accomplished in the power and the gifts which God has provided us in Christ. Notice the word works is in the plural. It speaks of a a body of works. It speaks of a large number of works, not little isolated works that whatever often we would accomplish. No, it speaks of a lifestyle, an ongoing pattern, a pursuit of working hard, even to the point of exhaustion, in one's life for the kingdom of God on this earth. And by the way, this is part of being made in the image of God, right? God is a working God, and there is a work that God has for us to do. And there is a dignity about our work. And we glorify and honor God when we work. So this is our first word, works. And I want to underscore, there are works that God has for you and me to accomplish on this earth. And we are saved by grace, through faith, 
for these good works. The second key word is good. Notice uh, what our text says, for good works. Not just any works. There, are, there is a designation to these works. It is not just go out and do something. No, it is to do the work that God has assigned for us to do. Good works are, are works that are profitable. They are useful for the kingdom of God. This word good, agathos, in the Greek means beneficial. It means benevolent or helpful. These are works that are wholesome, pure, holy in the sight of God. These are works that promote the one and true saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are works that reach out to others and magnify the name of our Lord. These good works are absolutely necessary in the Christian life. In fact, in James chapter 2, verse 14, and following says that if we have no works, we have no real faith. All true saving faith is always accompanied by and produces good works in one's life. James 2, verse 17 says, Even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. And in the new spiritual birth, this great work that God does in us is the root. And the good works are the fruit. They're the evidence that comes from this great work that God has done for us in our lives. Titus 2, verse 13 says, Our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. In other words, if you are saved by grace through faith, you need to be zealous for good works. Fervent, full of energy, laboring in good works. Titus 2, verse 7, we read, In all things show yourselves as an example of good deeds. And without these good deeds, we're not a good example to the world. In Titus chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says this. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. What Paul is saying to Timothy is this. Timothy, I want you to speak to the people of God. And I want you to be confident when you say to them, if they believed in God, they must be careful to do good deeds or good works. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and, tel- uh, 11 and 12, Paul says that God has given some to apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. There is a work of service that God has assigned for every believer in the body of Christ. And in 1 Timothy 6.18, God's word says, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. 
we are to be very rich in our spiritual walk with Christ. Laboring in good works as we express our love to God and our love for God's people, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let us look at this third uh, key words in our text this morning in Ephesians 2.10, and that's the words prepared beforehand. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Which God prepared ahead of time. These words prepared beforehand are one word in the original Greek language. And it is translated which God foreordained. Or which God preordained. Or which God predestined. And the only time we see this word used in the New Testament scriptures is found in Romans chapter 9 verse 23. In which Paul writes that there are vessels of mercy which God prepared beforehand for glory. And when we parallel these two verses side by side, we come to the simple conclusion that all vessels of mercy whom God has prepared beforehand for glory, God has also prepared beforehand good works for each and every believer in Christ to walk in. If we really think about this truth, There is a sense of destiny about our lives. That our Lord has gone before us and has already written the script for tomorrow. God with his sovereign hand has already recorded in heaven good works for you and me to accomplish. That will what? They will sanctify our walk with him and bring glory to his name on this earth. And in his work for us, God has taken into account every contingency, every circumstance, every situation in our lives. God has foreordained everything that is necessary that must come to pass in order to accomplish these good works. These good works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in are unique. They're specific. They're designed specifically for us. He has given us gifts and talents and abilities, everything we need to accomplish these good works, which bring glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. This is God's work for us. And before I move on uh, to our last point this morning, I want to remind each and every one of us, if God has done this work in you, then God has a work for you. He must work first by his sovereign grace in your life. And when we have become his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, only then can we fulfill his work, which he has prepared beforehand for us to do on this earth. Finally, I want us to see point number three on your outline. God's work through us. God's work through us. We have spoken of God's work in us. We have spoken of God's work for us. And now I want you to see God's work through us. Here in our text, Paul concludes by saying, so that we would walk in them. Here is where God's sovereignty and human responsibility in our sanctification 
come together. Look what Paul says in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. You will see these contrasts and how they come together perfectly for God's glory. Paul says, work out your salvation. Not work for your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling before God. That's the human responsibility. That's laboring in the Word. That's laboring in prayer. That's fellowshipping with God's people. That's growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's working and serving for His kingdom and for His glory. That's something that God gives us as a gift that we can grab onto and hold onto and and energize us and to strengthen us and to encourage us in our walk with Christ. But now here's the divine perspective following it. Here's God's sovereignty. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, we can't just sit back and say, God has predestined a work for me to do, so I will just let God work that out in my life. No. We must take initiative. We must take steps of faith. We must be active. We must walk, live out this in our daily lives, these good works. Paul says, so that, here is the purpose for which God has done this great work in us and for us. Here is the purpose that he has made us his workmanship. So that we, with no exceptions, would walk in this. This word walk speaks of a lifestyle of service to Christ. Being engaged in in the things of God. Ministering to others. In fact, the rest of the book of Ephesians will talk about how we should walk in humility. Walk in love. Walk in wisdom. And here in our text, Paul emphasizes that we should walk in good works. We are not saved to sit and to be a spectator. Nor are we saved to be served. But we are saved to serve him and to accomplish the works he has assigned for us to do in Christ. The word them refers back to the good works which God prepared beforehand. In other words, we must take initiative by his enabling grace to step forward and to step out in serving the Lord. In our homes, at our jobs, in our families, in the church, wherever God has us, there are good works for us to accomplish in Christ. As God works through us, we must take decisive steps to move out of our comfort zones and to walk in them. We must know what this work is that God has for us to do. And these works are found in the pages of Scripture and in the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us and in the work of the Spirit within us. 1 John 2.6 says, The one who says he abides in me ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. God will not do this work without us. God will not do this work through us. So that is the plate. Oh, 
Let me correct that. God will not do this work without us. God will not do this work through us until we come to know Him and trust Him and walk in His ways. So this is the place for good works in the Christian life. It is abundantly clear in this passage before us today that we are saved by grace through faith, not as a result of works, but for good works. Our good works will not take us to heaven. However, they will follow us to heaven. Our good works in no way will contribute to our salvation. However, our good works are the manifestation and the evidence of our salvation. Good works is a fruit of salvation that confirms and gives testimony of this great work that God has accomplished in our lives. Good works are motivated by a new heart that desires to serve Christ and bring glory to God. As you look at your life today, first, can you say that you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus? Have you been born again from above? Has God given you a new heart that desires to do the will and work of God? Have you identified your gifts and abilities that God has prepared beforehand for you to walk in? Are you using these gifts for the glory of God and for the life of His church? No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, no matter what your situation or circumstances in life, If you are in Christ, there are good works for you to walk in. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. This time, will you please stand? We're going to sing our final song.